to the comic book rundown. lie i uh kind of forgot how to start that <laughs> look i just got Somebody's back from sleep deprived here <laughs> yeah, ooh, dude uh i just got back from vacation and i had to do an episode of uh walk through the multiverse yesterday covering the boys and so i was still kind of in that mindset for for a hot second <laughs> so yeah anyway hi how are you doing oh pretty good yourself Tired. I, I see that your uh, Mickey Mouse ears have dwindled down to um, sad little saggy things now. Funny enough, I still haven't gotten... I couldn't find a pair of ears that uh, just spoke to me. No? No. I, I This is the second... Well, technically like fourth time I've been to Disney, but um, second time with the, my family. Just did Could not find a pair of ears that was just like, yeah, this is, this is the ones I want. They had some... Uh, there were some Alice in Wonderland, like Mad Hatter uh, teacups one that yeah. was kind of cool. But um, no, just nothing like nothing I really wanted. My but first time at Disney. I, I did got get a, a lightsaber. You got a goofy Ooh. hat? Nice. Like it was actually like Goofy's head that stuck out of it and stuff, you know? Yeah. That was great. Saw, um, a, saw a couple of those. Saw a couple of uh, Donald Duck's hats. What color is your lightsaber? Maybe it's a little red. Just a little red. Just a little red. But I do Why have the... a. Uh, I do have another kyber crystal up there to change it to. So <laughs> I have to build mine white because according to the test I took online, mine's supposed to be white. So they did have a white one. Yeah. Yeah, it was it was awesome. Um, well worth the the time to build it. It was a really really awesome experience. Uh, I really, in the future, I want to, like, go and specifically buy certain character sabers. Um, but the line to do that was pretty long. <laughs> so, oh, I will say this. We got to ride the brand new, uh, by the time we're recording, two weeks new. By the time you guys are listening, about a month new uh, Guardians of the Galaxy ride. Oh yeah! Oh, it was amazing, dude. We lucked. We lucked into getting uh, passes for that. Hell yeah! So, yeah, it was so good. It was so so cool. Um, it was also one of those things where they're currently only doing the virtual queue for it, and we had checked uh, one point on like Wednesday at like four o'clock, and it was like a four hundred minute wait for the virtual queue. Holy Which is shit. like, you know, what, seven hours or something like that? Yeah. Uh, let's see, 400. Roundabout. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that was at like four o'clock. And like, wow. So, again, yep. like I said, we lucked, we lucked into getting the passes for, for that ride. And, man, it is well worth it. It's so great. We... We did not ride any ride twice. We got to ride... Uh, 
all the rides we were on the ride or were able to ride, uh, we we rode once, and that was nice. I mean, there were been a, uh, there was a few we would have liked to have ridden twice, but but if you waited in line, it'd be all day. Uh, yes and no, depending. It just it was more of a if the kids wanted to ride there or not. Again, gotcha. Um, and I mean, in all honesty, Emily and I were talking. We're probably next time we go, maybe not next time we go, but one of these times was just gonna be like either just us going or like adults going because we love our kids, we really do, but they can only last about four hours at a time in the parks where we would be fine waiting in line for two hours for a ride. Where we've been conditioned by our jobs to stand up for, you know, eight to twelve hours at a time. But we also <laughs> we also went to like Cedar Point and in Kings Island where there is no like fast pass line. It's just you wanna you wanna ride the Millennium Force, you stand in line for two hours to ride the Millennium Force. Yeah. You wanna ride the Raptor, you stand in line for an hour to ride the Raptor. Like we're used to that. Yes, we spoil our we kids. <laughs> But we're not here to, today to talk about my awesome Disney trip. We're here today to talk about the sixth gun. Now, it's been a bit since we've uh, since we've done the sixth gun. Um, so much so that I kind of forgot what the first two books kind of entailed for the most part. Um, like yeah. I, I remember a, a good chunk of it, but I, I debated rereading the uh, the other ones, but then decided against it. <laughs> Well, I, the only problem I had was I couldn't remember people's names. That's fair. Yeah. I mean, other than, you know, like Becky and Drake, uh, like I couldn't remember uh, Roberto's name until they said it, like, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah, because he shows up at, like, the very. No, he didn't show up at the end. He showed up in the middle of, like, book two. Yeah. And was there for when they were in the, uh, the graveyard. Yeah, it. It wasn't a. The story moved along well enough that you didn't need to... As long as you know that General Hume is back and Drake is basically, like, stopping him, trying to stop him, um, really the rest of it just kind of tells itself in the story. Um, especially when we get introduced to a couple characters and I'm like, did did we meet them before? I don't remember. <laughs> <laughs> Turns out we didn't. So... Yeah, so, okay. So, here is my spiel, like I always do. We are doing The Sixth Gun, issues 12 through 17. They were uh, published by Oni, Oni Press in 2011. The writer is Colin Bunn. The art was done by Brian Hurt and Tyler Crook. The colors by Bill Crabtree and letters by Douglas E. Sherwood. So, we, again... Like we were just talking about, we were, we were trying to remember exactly where all we left off. I remember there being a fight in the in the graveyard to try and get the uh, general and the guns, which was just a big old um, light, uh, a fancy light show for Drake because he actually hit him in Bill John, uh, his deceased friend's golem, Bill John. Yeah. Um, that's having to say all that is is odd but yeah like it was all it was all just a big old kerfuffle so there's that now they are on a train to the sword of abraham's secret hideout 
Yeah, they've got some. They've got some base that they're going to. It's like a castle or something that they were supposed to be taking Hume to and the guns, so they could all be protected. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, that's where we leave Becky and Drake at the moment. That's where we see them. They're with uh, Roberto, and they're they're on their way to the secret hideout. We pan over to um, what's it, Mrs. Hume, the Widow Hume, Widow Hume. There we go. Pinkertons. Um, and these two are was Mr. Faulkner and Mr. Mercer. They're just having a chat about how. You know, this is, uh, their job mandates are exceeding what they're supposed to be doing. Because they're, they're, they're watching over Miss Hume. Sure, that's fine. But they're actually there for the gun, not for her. And they're, they're even chatting. I think what Mr. Faulkner is just like, man, you know, the council, they can't expect us to stay here. They can't expect us to keep doing this. Like, we can just take the gun and go. Like, why, why are we still even here? And then... Uh, Mercer's just like, yeah. Have you um, have you not met Mrs. Hume? Like, what what makes you think that we could just take the gun and leave? Uh huh. And he even says that, like, you know, when our use is done, she'll get rid of us. Yep. Like, there's only one way that we're going out. Like, if you haven't realized that yet, I think you're you're a little bit of a fool there, Faulkner. Uh, and you know, she is looking on. She's hearing them talk. Oh, yeah, she walks out. She's looking a little rough. A little bit. Because um, last time we saw her, uh, I think Drake cut off her hand and with the gun still attached to it. Yeah. And her, she regenerated from her hand holding the gun, and her other body, like, deteriorated, and then she ran off. That was at the end of book one, I believe. Yeah, I think that's right. Um, but she was still, like, young and vibrant, and now she is old and decrepit and can... She definitely looks like Hume's widow right there. Let's just oh, yeah. that way. Yes. <laughs> so she wanders over to this barn, which is being protected by more of her men, I guess. And there is a bunch of, uh, well, lack of a better term, slaves in the barn that she just kills. She, she says, like, you know... Uh, you should all take comfort in the knowledge that your sacrifices today only helps to throw God's cruel tricks of time and aging and decay back in his face. Basically saying, hey, I'm going to kill you so I can live forever. Which is... A very human sh- thing to do. A very human thing to do. So she comes out. She's back to her former self. And Mercer and Faulkner are basically telling her, hey, we lost track of... of of Sinclair and Mrs. Montcliffe or Miss Montcliffe and the gun and Hume. And we lost track. We, we had a little kerfuffle in New Orleans. We lost track from there, but we found them again. They're on this train heading somewhere on this private rail. You know, if we have enough time, we can, um, we can meet up with the train before they disappear again and, you know, get everything back. And she is, Mrs. Hume is just like, I've got taken care of. I've, I've got a special agent, who will, um, I've already been in contact with, who is working on this, this problem. And so we pan over to this individual. His name is Eli Barlow. And he is, I mean, he's this tall, I was going to say drink of water, but he, <laughs> I don't know why that tall, caught my head. Yeah, he's a tall, pale, um, 
deathly looking motherfucker here. And he's Which... walking, he's walking into this town where the sheriff is displaying uh, this gang, the Arlo Cutlass, Curlis and his gang, uh, out in their coffins. This was a normal thing to do in the Old West, which is really kind of weird. Up. Yeah. yeah. So this but showed these... that your sheriff was doing his job, you know? Yeah. But it also looks like these guys have been on display for some time because they are really, really pale. Their colors, I mean, they're dead, sure, but... Like, if they were just killed recently and displayed like this, they wouldn't be as white as they are, as as dead, yeah. obviously. Well, they'd still be dead, but... That anyway. doesn't look as dead. Correct. And so he's... The sheriff is just, like, spouting off, look, uh, you know, I've, I don't have to worry about these guys anymore. They're dead, buried. You can come up and touch them and prod look, them and suck their dicks even though they won't do anything. Look what I did, look what I did. I'm great. Yeah. And Barlow is standing in the back, and he pours some powder or something into his palm. And this mist comes flying out and flies up to uh, Arlo and his gang. And they wake up as zombies. And I think basically kill the sheriff and any other anyone else that gets in their way. Yeah. So Barlow's like, all right, Arlo, uh, you know, it's time to sell your, your debt. Basically, I got a job for you. Go back to Becky and Drake, and they're talking to Roberto. And basically, it's a pissing contest between Drake and Roberto. Uh, he you know what really bothers me about Roberto. What's that? His hair is pale white, but his mustache is blacker than night. Well, he dyes that. And, yeah, and that all the blood him. he eats, it just keeps it colored. Gotcha. That makes, uh, wrong color, but that makes sense. <laughs> Honestly, so, every time I see Roberto, I can't help but think, if they were to ever make a movie of this... Danny Trejo. No question. Oh, absolutely. Except no question. For, except for he's pretty tall. I mean, Trejo's not short. I mean, he's like, what, 5'7", five, 5'8"? Five, That's short. Very good. Eh. Eh. You just get, just get Drake to be like, 5'5". Five, Five. No, look, you just you just do the Homelander thing, make him wear heels the whole time. Oh, okay, that's fair. <laughs> never, yeah, never show his feet. Well, and like, we never do see his feet ever. He's uh he's always sitting down or, yeah. But no, you're not wrong. Like I can I can see that absolutely. And R- R- Roberto's basically talking to Drake, saying, you know, we're we're keeping an eye on you, you know, because they're heading to the Sword of Abraham. Like I said, they're heading to that secret base. And Roberto's like, we got to keep an eye on you because you were once in the service of General Hume. And he questions, you know, why haven't you destroyed the corpse yet? And Drake you fires can't. back. He's like, we tried. Like, we tried burning his body. It didn't take. Like, what else do you want? He's like Rasputin. Oh. Rasputin! Uh, but while they are talking... We'll, we'll keep at that. I mean, Becky is like trying to, to uh, stand up for Drake, but yeah, I mean to no avail, really. Yeah. But uh, while they're talking, Drake looks out and he sees this gang coming up, riding riding up to the the train, and everybody starts. All of the other soldiers for the Sword of Abraham are in the back, and the other cars 
They see what's going on. They start firing. They start attacking. But these guys just won't stay dead. Yeah. Because they're zombies. That's what happens when you're undead. Usually. Usually. Um, and even that, they uh, they move... Because, like, well, Arlo gets knocked off the horse. The train's still going full board. Yeah. And, and all of a sudden... He runs to catch up to Yeah, him. he gets up and runs, and he catches up like it's nothing. What's the point of having the horses, then? Yeah, well, that was another thing. <clears throat> uh, you can't tell me that horses would have willingly been saddled and ridden by these guys. They would have been terrified the whole time. Horses are very sensitive to those sort of things, and they'd freak the fuck out. I don't know. Maybe the horses were dead, too. Maybe. I mean, this one does have, like, no eyes, so... Yeah, true. True, true, true. But the the gang gets onto the train, and, you know, their goal is the General Hume. And the guns, if they can, but... Uh, and Drake is starting to pull out a couple of the guns to use, and Roberto stops him for you a hot second. You don't need to use those guns. Well, it's like, you must not use them. It's yeah. Like, we, we can't let them know that the weapons are here. And Drake's like, yeah, I'm pretty sure here they already know as he looks out the window and one's just staring at him. So he uses the first gun and blows a hole in the side of the, the train car with the zombie right there. Uh, yeah. I don't know why he just is, he doesn't use that one like all the time. The whole time? Yeah. Like, or at I least mean, for this situation. Well, because I mean, I guess because in the next car... You've got all of the Sword of Abraham men being attacked by Arlo. But they're all dead. Not all of them. Majority of them, yes, but not all of them. Or are they? Maybe they are all dead. They are all dead. Oh, yeah, well, fuck that. Why didn't he use the, 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 the boom boom gun? Because he'd rather pistol whip him with it. Well. After he lights him on fire with the other gun. Yeah, he used second gun and, and burns him, but, like, yeah, the first but, gun would have blown a no hole avail. through his chest. Exactly. Well, and it would have blown a hole through the chest of everybody behind him, too. <laughs> Although, you know what? The general was in the last car. If he used a gun right there in the smack center, it would have blown the car off. Yeah, that's true. Okay. Maybe Drake is is actually smarter than we give him credit for. Or maybe he could have just kept shooting them as they came up to him and shooting them out the sides of the train. Just saying. I mean, that would have been smart, too, but smarter, probably. Aim high. You know, force or whatever. <laughs> and then send them flying. <laughs> so, Roberto decides he's going to try to hold them off as Drake and Becky get to uh, Hume to make sure that he's safe. Um, there's a one guy that that uh, Becky stops Drake from getting shot at. Those were... Yeah, we'll go with that. Stops Drake. Stops from shooting, shooting Drake. Drake. There we go. Uh, although he already did get shot in the shoulder, which was not good. But they're they're running. They're going to to Hume, and as they are going, they're um, they get just outside the last car, and we see this individual clad in a cloak, red cloak, jump off of the cliffs and land onto the the car very heavily onto the car. Yes, actually, are they? Maybe I was mistaken. Maybe the maybe the the uh, caskets in the front car. Yeah, it's. Oh yeah, you're right. But they so he could have just blown the back. No, because they were in the caboose, which means that they would have been left behind. So you're still oh, right. Okay. Okay, fair enough. So why are they so far away from? Whatever, they're dumb. Anyway, so Drake opens up the final car, 
and he looks inside, and then he closes it real quick. And Becky's just like, "Wait, what's what's going on? What was that?" It's <laughs> like, "I I think, I, I think it was a mummy." And he's all has like a shocked look on his face. And we go to the last page, and sure enough, it's a giant mummy uh, holding the casket of General Hume with a nice little grimacing face on. Mumra, the ever living. Oh. It does kind of look like Mumra, doesn't it? It has that Mumra vibe. Yeah. 